Kendi, Rockstars. Prepare for a treat, let's meet and greet some bands and singers that are super sweet Making music that's fun for boys and girls, help them learn about this great big world Fun for the family, yes it's true, your kids will love it and you will too Clap and dance and sing aloud, become a part of the kindy crowd These songs will make you move your feet and give your ears a great big treat So settle in, grab your guitars, and let's get to know our kindy rock stars Hello everyone and welcome to Kindy Rockstars. This is the show that gives you the stories behind the songs from some of the best bands and singers that are making fun, informative, educational, catchy, and occasionally silly songs for children and families. I'm your host, Patrick Adams, and each episode of Kindy Rockstars will feature an artist and a featured song. So let's get to this week's show. I am here today with David Layden, otherwise known as Farmer Dave of Animal Farm. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about Animal Farm, how you guys got started uh, into kindy music and a little bit of your background. Yeah. So uh, I started Animal Farm with my friend Seth Adams um, in the the final weeks of uh, 2010 and into 2011. Uh, we were both teaching um, arts and music classes. I was working mostly as an after-school teacher and Seth was a, a band director and, and music teacher um, in Massachusetts. And we were kind of felt like it was harder to connect with our students around music, even though it was such a central part of our lives. Um, and at the same time, we started to notice that a lot of our students were just deep by default listening to Top 40 Radio, which, um, you know, I grew up listening. I'm not like into censorship like i grew up listening to i had you know the chronic by dr dre when i was like eight and i you know i definitely i went to my first fish concert when i was 13 like um but there wasn't music that was like developmentally written for kind of early elementary age students they were kind of in this cultural limbo between um early childhood music and then you know the the pop of uh, our preteen years. And so, um, and, or at least that's what I thought, right? Like, so then we started writing music and really trying to write elevated children's music. We didn't want the songs to feel like kid songs unless you like listen to the lyrics and then you could start to think about it. So that's why we call our music grown up music for kids. Um, yeah, and so we just started writing music every week. We would come together. There were two of us and we had a saxophone slash banjo player named Chris and he was Cowboy Chris and he would um uh and we would write and and so we did that for about a year and then Seth moved to Chicago and then his uh partner at the time was in grad school there and then my now wife got into grad school in Chicago so I was there a year later and that's where the band really took off and we started playing in Chicago public schools and and working by the time I left Chicago in 2019 we were playing 40 or 50 shows a year um everywhere from like the Chicago Cultural Center to the Botanic Gardens and then my wife got into a graduate program here in Colorado for a PhD and so and I grew up here so 
uh, we're, we're now in Colorado and I still work with Seth and collaborate with him. Uh, and pre-pandemic, I was touring back and forth, but now I also have a lineup here in Colorado and actually just played uh, or recently played um, my first live show with a band since the end of pandemic. So that was really exciting. Yeah, no, I listened to some of your music and I, I totally got your vibe on, you know, the, the songs being crafted the way they were and uh, for adults, but with a, with a kid's theme. Um, how, what age I think typically gravitates to that kind of music? Do, do you get through to, to younger kids too? Um, well, so in a live context, our shows are really interactive and I do bring in covers that are, um, oftentimes I modify covers to then build in uh, movement and interactivity. Um, so from a live perspective, we get zero to 10, but in terms of our recording, um, I'd say like three to eight is our like big, which is a pretty broad range developmentally. Um, but it ends up being, you know, I, th I think, I think a big part of it is that it's music that is meant for families to enjoy together. Um, and so, and, you know, as you know, as a children's musician, parents are gatekeepers. <laughs> so, um, the goal is to, have something that can that can grow with the kids right like the music takes on new meaning for me and i'll talk about that with one of our songs but i think also like it's kind of been interesting to hear how families kind of grow up with this music and then to hear as a kid turns eight or nine like how they reflect on the songs or how they reflect on what we do yeah no i've, I've been very keen to make the songs such a way that kids will like it but hopefully their parents will too i think that's that's hitting a great uh, span of a demographic. Absolutely. And I teach early childhood music two days a week uh, for like six classes a week. For I have a one baby's class and then the other one. Pre-pandemic, it was split up like very developmentally, but now it's just all eight, up to five. Um, and it's usually about mostly 18 to 36-month-olds. Um, and I don't want to listen to that music. <laughs> like I love teaching it. I love like I I sing it to my daughter at home. Like I I love this as like a as a learning tool, and especially the program I work at it, it operates through a music therapy lens. Though I'm I'm the only teacher who's not a music therapist. Um, but yeah, I don't want to listen to that. Like I I mean I love and I have Raff, I have Raffi on vinyl, right? Like I I love the stuff I grew up on. Skin and Marinky Dinky Dink. I've definitely made grown ups sing that at a party. Like. I'm all about it. And I've had bands that cover the Arthur theme song, but which is actually something I would listen to. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's value in early childhood music and it's great. And it's also like, it has a time and place. Very true. You know, I have a, a two-year-old daughter, six-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old daughter. So the, the two-year-old loves, you know, the, the kids songs, Wheels on the Bus and Baby Shark and all that stuff. My 15-year-old doesn't want to listen to them, doesn't want to hear walks away when they come on, <laughs> can't stand to listen to it. So um, I, I have a goal of you can enjoy it at this age, but you can also enjoy it at her age too. Yeah, for sure. And I think about when I was growing up, like musical theater was that kind of thing for me growing up was listening to Andrew Lloyd Webber or listening to Rent when I was a little older, but like that, that I think that I, and I hear it. And so when I said earlier was that like, or, you know, I've said before when I, as it, when I first started Animal Farm, I was like, where is this music written for this age group? And now I see it as a part of the community. And it's like mind blowing to hear music that I want to listen to that's made for kids. Like, it's great. It's really wonderful to, 
to be a part of a community that I think is pushing how parents think about children's music in a way that's, I think, going to be better for kids. Because it's if it's written, I mean, again, being able to relate to the content is important. And as much as I love Bob Dylan or I love um, Stevie Wonder, I feel like actually is something that a lot of kids can get into. But, you know, I want it to be developmentally appropriate or, or developmentally like uh, relevant to yeah. young people. Now, with with the name Animal Farm, does, does your music have a like a general theme around animals? I, I couldn't help but notice there were several animal theme songs, but no. Yeah. Yeah, so we we well, and on the recordings, everything has some type of animal reference to it. Um, I think I'm pretty sure everything has some reference to animals in in somewhere. But yeah, it's it's looking at social emotional learning, community self expression, and the environment through the lens of animals in the natural world, and kind of thinking less about like tons of informative animal facts and more about how do we use animals within like a narrative form to engage in these conversations so we have a song about called totes my goats about a goat that is like um who's like really chill now but used to be really uptight and like would hold on to all of their grievances and so or we have a song called um nocturnal me which is about a baby bat that's afraid of the dark um so you know kind of approaching these these yeah. things that we all navigate as humans. I mean, a lot of it's about lifelong learning. I've had parents be like, man, your, uh, your song slow down really gets me. Like, I just, I feel like I got to slow down. I'm like, great. I like the, the two headed turtle or the, the, the two heads were arguing with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, what's funny is Seth and I wrote that a lot of the music Seth and I write collaboratively. Some of it, we write our own. It's, um, and we take turns like arranging um i definitely have had a heavier hand more in the last you know few years um but yeah that song was so funny talking about music taking on new meaning was we wrote the song about siblings navigating conflict and navigating sharing space right but then like seth and i became so close and after i got married my wife and i moved into a house with our friends who had all relocated to Chicago from Boston, and it was including Seth. So now we're roommates and bandmates, and that song took on whole new meaning as we navigated, you know, the interpersonal relationship of artists trying to collaborate and manage time together, and to be in a place where we return to that idea of like together we're strong. And we would sometimes like we're very we have a very like sibling like relationship, and uh, I, I've been at shows where like one of us is kind of like grumpy about something and then we play that song and like look at each other and smile and like everything's cool it's it's really wonderful good all right you ready to dig into a song sure thing this episode's song is called snowbird all right farmer dave tell us a little bit about snowbird and what inspired it well um i wrote snowbird about a baby penguin or a young penguin that wishes to travel the globe and, and see all of these uh, beautiful places. And it kind of started from a place of um, like a kind of paradox or, or, you know, a contradiction, right? Like a penguin wanting to go to tropical climates is, you know, penguins don't really live in tropical climates. Although as one of our fans, Elliot informed me, some penguins do live in subtropical rainforests in New Zealand. So I had to, I've had to like adjust my delivery of this song, but, um, but yeah, there, the idea was, you know, thinking about, um, an animal that 
has limitations and then kind of navigating that. And I think, you know, as, as what's funny is I, I remember it's, it's my wife's favorite song of ours. And so we threw a surprise party for her when she turned like 28 or 29. And our friend, we, she asked me to play it. We were jamming and she asked me to play it. And um, afterwards, our friend who does our artwork, his name's Matt Durso and he's a Chicago artist. Um, he goes, Dave, that's dark. <laughs> and I go, why? He goes, because the penguin's not going to any of those places. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh my goodness, I feel like I have to revise the song and da da da. And then we went in the studio. It was so much fun to record. And um, but what was interesting is that this year that song has completely changed meanings for me because whereas before it was kind of a silly thing to play with the idea of a penguin wanting to go to all of these tropical places and a way for us to talk about different places. I feel like we live in a country that's somewhat like inwardly focused on ourselves. And you know, that you see the interviews like the, the, the Vox pop interviews where someone's like, do you know the capital of this? Nobody knows, uh, you know, we're not a particularly um, global citizenry, citizenry necessarily in our orientation to the world. Um, so for me this year, the song's taken on like a lot of new meaning because we've actually come face to face with our limitations and the idea that we want to go places and can't because of the state of the world is something that a lot of people, if not everybody in America is um, navigating for the first time in a lot of ways. And so that's been really interesting. Like I remember playing it at the beginning of pandemic, I started doing uh, live streams every day. Um, and I've actually done like over 350 live streams, which is, uh, which as you see behind me, my green screen and my phone and stuff, which they can't see on the podcast. Um, so yeah, at the beginning of pandemic, I started doing live streams and I remember playing Snowbird sometime in the first or second week. And as I was singing the, the, um, the C-section, I guess that you were made for the cold part, like the song switched for me in terms of what it meant. And and I like started to choke up because I was really, really scared that we were going to spend. And this was like in late March. I was like, we're going to be in like in our homes for the next like two years. And then, and then everyone was like, David, you need to like stop freaking out. And then we're here like 18 months later and it really does like still feel like something we're navigating. And we, we are, I don't know. It doesn't feel as big of a deal to make accommodations anymore for me. Like, I feel like taking care of each other is something that like we do. Um, and so, but this song definitely like it just, every time I play it now and I think about, you know, even being outside again and, and performing in a park and I only do outdoor concerts for the time being. Um, and, and just feeling like so joyful that I, I get to be here, right? Like I was supposed to be home for so long and now I get to be in community with people making art, smiling, getting some vitamin D. So, so yeah, so that's, this song is like super meaningful to me in partially because of the way that it has, I've grown with it. Yeah, no, it, what, what struck me about it is I think anytime a kid can listen to a catchy song a memorable song, but there's also so much in the song that can teach them about something, especially about the world and like create a curiosity of, well, what is this place he's talking about? And maybe they'll go learn about it and, and things like that. So that, that's what struck me about it as I was, was listening to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And when, one of the things I love is, uh, you know, 
and maybe you know this as well, like from the time you start recording a song to like two years later when it gets released or like you're gigging with it years later, it changes, right? So for the, um, uh, uh, for the second verse, there's the line, I'd like to learn to samba in Rio and two-step in New Orleans. So what our drummer would actually jump into a samba rhythm for that line, and then we'd all play a two-step like for the second part of that, for the next line, and then just fall right back into the groove. And that was just like a really fun thing that kind of happened naturally. Um, it, it, nobody really like talked about it. Like our drummer just did it one day and it, it just worked. And that might actually be on the album. I don't remember, but I don't think that's actually on the album. So, all right. Well, let's listen to the song. This is a, a penguin after my own heart. Here is Snowbird by Animal Farm. Well, I've never been to Hawaii I never surfed in California Well, I heard great things about Morocco I've always wanted to see Montego Bay I'd like to winter up north with the snowbirds Playing bingo in Boca Raton then we'd return to Antarctic waters I'm just a penguin with the yearning to roam Well, I'd march there if I could But I don't think I'd make it too far Let me see you all penguin march Let me see you all penguin march If my legs were only longer I'd get myself a rental car Let me see you all drive your car Let me see you drive your penguin car if I could fly an airplane, I wouldn't be flightless anymore. I can soar beneath the water, but I've only gone as far as Cape Horn. I go snorkeling off the coast of Bali. Can sunbathe in La Costa del Sol In Barbados we'd be boogie boarding I heard Baja loves to rock and roll I'd like to learn to samba in Rio Or we can two-step in New Orleans In Havana we can mambo all summer long there in my dreams Well, I'd march there if I could But I don't think I'd make it too far Let me see you all penguin march Let me see you all penguin march If my legs were only longer I'd get myself a rental car Now let me see you all drive your car Let me see you drive your penguin car If I could fly an airplane I wouldn't be flightless anymore the water, but I've only gone as far as Cape Horn. You were made, you were made, you were made for the cold. You'll under 
understand, understand, understand when you're older. You were made, you were made, you were made for the cold. You'll understand, understand, understand when you're older. Snowbird by Animal Farm. All right, Dave, tell everyone where they can stream and download that song and where they can find you and Animal Farm on social media. You can find that song on Spotify, iTunes, Napster, and wherever else you do your streaming. Uh, We are the Animal Farm that writes children's music, not the rap group, although they're great too. They just have a lot of explicit lyrics. That's on the album We Are One. You can also go to linktree.com slash Animal Farm Music to get links to all of our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It's at Animal Farm Music. And you can check out my new series on PBS at pbs.org called Farmer Dave and Friends. Excellent. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. All right. Talk to you again soon. Bye.